lovelies, and welcome to another episode of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. My name is Brian Bell. I am your host here on this show, your guide down the multicolored road that we call pro wrestling. Um, this this week's episode is very exciting for me. Um, for different reasons than other episodes, you know, I I think last week's episode was awesome. Rachel was a blast to have on. Um, I think our we might have gone a little long on some of the, the lore talk, but um, I still think that it was a very engrossing and enriching conversation. That you know, it got it's gotten a a, a lot of good response. Um, and it's, it's fun to kind of think deeper into, uh, pro wrestling from like character storyline, uh, places. And I really enjoyed being able to have that kind of discussion with, uh, with Rachel, uh, specifically regarding new Japan and, uh, the golden lovers and, and all of the intricacies that go into, to those storylines. But we're going to, bring it back stateside uh, this go around um, and tell a different kind of story. We have our first uh, non-binary wrestler on the show, uh, one Sophie King. Um, You may know them from uh, Rise as well as uh, various uh, Midwest independents. And of course, they also recently made their debut with Shimmer um, in a dark match the same weekend as the uh, Rise of La Escalera event um, back on November 3rd. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty exciting time in, in their still young career. They've only been on the scene for about a year and a half, but I was I was made aware of, of Sophie um, at the Rise Pride and Joy event from this past June, um, which, of course, is most, I think, most well-remembered for the Effie promo. Um where he basically said, like, you know, it's glad that y'all are, it's good that y'all are booking queer talent during Pride Month, but don't let that stop after Pride Month. And that, you know, the time for LGBTQ pro wrestling is now and that we'll be watching. And Rise has been a company that has been at the forefront of that um, ever since that event. They've been doing very well with it, among a, a, a number of other organizations you know i last week we talked about both rise and uncanny attractions doing their fun stuff battle club pro is featuring a lot of queer talent um various different companies and then shimmer joined in the party um this past weekend they featured not only did they feature sophie king but they also featured jamie senegal um which was rad to see both of those are dark matches so fortunately i haven't got to see those matches but still pretty cool oh i can't i almost forgot candy lee um a trans wrestler was also on that show, wrestled Jamie Senegal uh, on that same Shimmer show. Um, that's a tongue twister a little bit there. The same show that Sophie debuted on. And I really wanted to have Sophie on to tell their story about how they got into pro wrestling, their experiences within pro wrestling, um, especially as a non-binary identifying person. Um, you know, I think... Th- Wrestling for such a long time has been defined by the the gender binary in a lot of ways. The, the divisions have been split, men and women, um, and they haven't really mixed all too much. You have your intergender stuff here and there, um, but now, like in the past few years, of course, intergender wrestling has got has been uh, on the rise 
in terms of popularity and fan acceptance and you see it now being heavily featured on you know impact television um, not to mention, you know, Battle Club Pro did an entire show centered on intergender wrestling um, not too long ago, and as Sophie points out in this in this uh, conversation that we have, you know, basically every one of their matches is an intergender match, seeing as they don't identify as either, um, and like it's 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 experiences like that and like thoughts like that that that. As someone who identifies as male, um, I don't. That's not my everyday experience. That's not something that I have to think about going into, you know, rural areas to wrestle or um, larger companies where you know I want to have my identity validated, but I just don't know. Um, and that's the main reason why I wanted to have Sophie on. Like they are awesome in the ring. Um, they are awesome to talk to. They're, like This conversation was a blast um, and a half. But their story is important because like, while we've been celebrating this rise of LGBTQ pro wrestling, this rise of queer talent within the industry, um, there still are very few out non-binary identifying wrestlers. You know, Sophie is one. Still Life with Apricots and Pears from Chikara is the only other one that I can think of off the top of my head right now. Um, I know there's some gender fluid wrestlers out there as well. Um, going back to Jamie Senegal. Um, so, like, there are these little pockets within the LGBTQ sphere that we've seen have more light shed on them culturally as these different groups have been emboldened to speak. Uh, on their behalf, they're starting to emerge in this world as well, and and I think it's important to highlight those worlds. And I want this show to be one that highlights every experience on the queer spectrum. And Sophie's story is one that is super important. I th- I feel on that spectrum. Um, and I will stop talking about how awesome it is. And let everyone else listen to how awesome it is. Um, so, yeah, let's just jump right in to uh, my conversation with the heck boy, Sophie King. All right, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. I am very, very happy to have my guest this week be um, probably one of the actually the for me personally the first non non-binary uh pro wrestler that i have come across in my lengthy lengthy fandom um i stumbled across them on uh the rise pride and joy show and have been engrossed since and they've i know that they've had a, a little bit of a break from the ring since then and, and we'll get into that during the show but i had to have them on because i, I really wanted to get to know them and, and hear their story and i think that all of you great listeners should get to know their story as well so i would like to welcome um probably best known from rise as well as uh just recently from what i understand a a debut in shimmer um one sophie king the the heck boy do I have that correct? <laughs> it's it's Twitter certified, yes. Awesome. Rat, welcome to the show, Sophie. I am so happy to have you here. I am super excited to be here. <laughs> I'm, I'm a giggle butt, so I apologize in advance. 
Oh no, trust me. Like I don't if anybody that's listened to the show already knows that I am very quick to a laugh. So it's perfect. You're in good company here. Okay, good. He's validated awesome. quickly, I'm sure. Yes, totally. So I I think before we get into like your experience in the ring and, and everything, I, I want to jump back to the beginning because you know many many wrestlers there they get into the business because they had a connection form at a younger age uh with the business um so i i'm curious where did where did that uh where did the fascination with wrestling start with you and where did you start getting that bug so i had a bit of a different arrival point than a lot of my peers especially wrestlers i know a lot of wrestling fans uh and wrestlers alike jump in when they're little tiny and there's the nostalgia and you watch Stone Cold and you're so excited to be Stone Cold. Uh, I actually started watching wrestling when I was 20 or 21 uh, because I was homeless. Uh, And at the time, a friend of mine would have a bunch of people over for a watch party to watch Monday Night Raw every week. Uh, And I just saw it as a guaranteed couch to be able to sleep on because her mom didn't care that people then spent the night. So uh, at first it was just sort of very utilitarian and like there was something on the TV while I was concerned about having a warm place to sleep. Uh, but then I just kind of fell in love with it. I was like, this is, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Show me more. <laughs> and uh, I just became very emotionally attached, partly because it's now rooted in my brain to the sense of like comfort and home. And I'm sure I'll be unpacking that with my therapist in a few years when my body's too broken down to do anything else. But <laughs> that's how I got started. Uh, that's a really, really unique way to to be introduced to the to wrestling. Like I, that might be the first time I've I've ever heard that sort of story. Because, like you said, most most people, whether they be fans or or uh, you know wrestlers themselves. Like they they do have the sort of built-in fandom from a very young age, you know. So so many of the current wrestlers out there kind of come from growing up around the Attitude Era, or like the tail end of it, and and mm-hmm. have that kind of infused in there. But I mean, I totally understand why you would develop that that connection, that comfort connection with wrestling from from that standpoint. Do, um, at that, whenever that that kind of relationship was developing between you and what you were watching every Monday night. Um, did you view that as something that you could do or wanted to do? Or was it just like a, a sense of like, basically like a, a warm blanket around you in a lot of ways? So what, did, did that, did it dawn on you that that's something you wanted to do at that point? So it's a, it's a little of column A, a little of column B. Okay. Um, So it was absolutely something that just like brought me a lot of personal joy, but also rewinding a little bit further. uh, I spent 15 years uh, as a classically trained dancer. um, Oh. And yeah, which is buck wild looking at me now. Uh, Spoiler, (laughs) 200 pound ballerinas don't get solos. (laughs) I had just basically a giant hole that like I was just sort of like aimless and trying to find something to attach to and I didn't think wrestling was going to be that thing uh, until suddenly I watched it for I think two weeks and then said okay when's the next house show I'm driving three and a half hours to go see it Uh, and then shortly after my friend was showing me NXT clips which led to PWG clips which led to just scouring YouTube for any independent wrestling I could find. Uh, 
And then my brain went, oh, this is like so much more accessible than I thought it was. This isn't just something that happens in Connecticut and Florida. I could go see this. And then I went and saw it. And then I went, they have a school? There's, <laughs> there's a school that I could do wrestle college? Engineering college didn't work. I could do wrestle college? And then I did. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so funny how, like, because I had the same experience, too. Like, you know, back in my younger days, like, I thought about actually going to wrestle college and you know i i didn't take that route i went to the to the words college instead but um a college like, that was, will make you more money i promise i mean well crossing fingers digital media thumbs up you're killing it these days um <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway but like uh, it's it's really interesting to like see that light bulb go off though because like not many people or like for a lot of fans at the beginning, they don't really think about like some, about the fact that people had to go somewhere to learn how to do this sort of thing. And, and like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting journey to take whenever you do realize that though. And, and it's even, it's even a larger leap for, to actually, to actually go into it. So um, what did you feel any like, precaution going like going into training at all uh there was absolutely like the baseline anxiety that i think any human being has when they're approaching something new Mm -hmm. of like oh god what if i'm just dog shit at this but like (laughs) i was coming out of a really really rough time obviously i I had been homeless Uh, i was coming out of a really rough time and at that point it was just sort of like i need to chase whatever tiny thing I find that makes me happy. And if it keeps making me happy, amazing. I'm hanging on to it forever. And if it doesn't, it's just like everything else going on. So what's the difference? Let's try it. <laughs> and at the, at the time that this all this time period is, is going down where you're making this decision um, to go into wrestling, ha- did you already like have your self-identity determined at that point? Like, did you already identify as non-binary or was there oh, any yeah. kind of... Part of why I was such a disaster. <laughs> 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 um, because I've been, uh, I ID is bisexual as well. And I've been out as that since high school. Mm-hmm. And then in college, I just kind of realized that gender is super duper bogus and I don't really identify with any of it. Mm. Um, which I feel like is probably a com- a much more common story than I was homeless and started watching wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, by the time I started attacking wrestling, I already kind of knew in the back of my head, I was like, hmm, this is very divisional and binary. I'm just going to cross that bridge when I come to it. <laughs> So it was just something to kind of put down the line to whenever, whenever it finally did come up. Yeah, it was going to be future Sophie's problem. It was not today Sophie's problem. I hear you. I hear you. Um, was there any other, um, like, I guess, for lack of a better word, cautions, like, going into the industry, like, identifying as bisexual or, like, like you know, having that internalized idea of what gender is for yourself, like going into, like knowing the industry you were going into, did any of that kind of give you pause at all? So um, 
a couple of things in, in very different ways. There are two different sort of things that like popped up on my radar as like, I don't know, perceived potential problems. Um, I fell in love with Shimmer super duper early on, just the concept that there was just this all women's thing that happened super close to me, not super, but wrestling close. It's five hours. It's wrestling close. Um, <laughs> and I was like, ah, this is like, this is a thing. And then I was like, ah, I'm not strictly a woman. Like, <laughs> like it's like shimmer women athletes. And I'm like, eh, asterisk. So <laughs> like I, I, I to, to put it most succinctly, uh, I politically would call myself a woman because I have the lived experiences and I can relate most to that experience. But when it comes down to like the core of my identity, ID is non-binary. Like I've had to deal with, you know, sexism and all that grossness and what comes with having what we call a female body, etc. And so like I thought, you know, maybe my odds are still better than like that dude next to me of making shimmer. But like, oh, what if we really get into the into the fine print and the footnotes here, and I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. That was a stress point, for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can imagine. I mean, just knowing how, like, the how the dichotomy in, in wrestling breaks down based off of off of how the, that, the gender binary that is socially mm-hmm. accepted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Essentialism. That there yes. has to be this difference between the two. And... The illusion that there is two at all, but yes, which actually that that kind of makes me like think of why I've enjoyed this sort of uh, new age of intergender wrestling that's popped up on the indies, and you're seeing a lot now in Impact. They're kind of making their like carving out their own like unique place in the like television wrestling world with with featuring a lot of the matches with Tessa versus Sammy Callahan. Um, just like this idea of like expanding exactly what the gender divide is in pro wrestling in a lot of ways. Like right. shows like what Battle Club Pro was doing up in Brooklyn uh a couple months ago. Like, you know, just I, I don't know. Like has what are what are your what are your opinions seeing like the the rise of intergender wrestling on, on the indie scene? Uh, as somebody who technically everything I do is intergender wrestling as a yes. pseudo-genderless person, um, <laughs> I'm super for it. <laughs> because what it comes down to for me and my eyeballs is, uh, and, you know, who am I to call wrestling, good or bad? I'm a year and a half in. But um, what I see as good intergender wrestling is do I look at both athletes and say, this is these are credible opponents. I would never in my life look at Tessa Blanchard and go, Nah, like, oh my God, she's terrifying in all the best ways. I would never discount her in any physical altercation. And so I see her do intergender and I go, yep, it's happening. Yep, I got yeah. it. Oh yeah, no, I'm I, I'm right there with you. And I think a good amount of pro wrestling fans are getting on that bandwagon as well. Um, <laughs> especially after like seeing the... Um, her matches with with Jake Atlas, you know, I know they just they just had a match oh on the God, same show, the so early rise show that you were on this past weekend or last weekend. Yeah, yes, that's one of the best parts of going on super early is you then get to see all the very good matches that are later. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a privilege that I very much enjoyed at early to rise was watching that absolute banger of a match. Oh my God, I loved it. 
no i i honestly like i'm right there with you like i wish i could have been in your position to watch it from where you were because i'm sure <laughs> i would have gotten like it would have been just that much more exciting in a lot of ways um but <laughs> sorry sorry i'm gonna cut you off there oh no i was just making excited noises in general <laughs> oh, okay hey that works we can caption that it's, it's, it's cool um, <laughs> uh so but Dialing back to um, the the infancy of Sophie King in in the wrestling world, so you decide to go to get trained. You go get trained. Where uh, coming out of training, like where where do you like first find yourself like getting booked? Like where 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 did you make your your debut, and where did you start like finding yourself uh, within the industry? So uh, initially, when I first started training. Um, I lied to myself and said that I just wanted to be a manager. Mm. <laughs> and uh, this happens with a lot of people who fall in love with wrestling but have that element of self-doubt. And they say, I want to be involved, but, like, I'll just be a manager. It's cool. I'll, like, learn how to, I'll learn how to, like, be safe in there, and then I'll just be a manager, and people will love me. That's great. And then you do it, and you're like, oh, no. No, I want to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> So does that does that so doubt my leg. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> so does that did that doubt come from like uh self-doubt of you being able to like pull off the performances physically or like the understand like grasping the psychology or is it just like a bit of a bit of both or a bit of everything like what informed that for you? It was honestly like a lack of doubt in myself uh as far as like a like a, a personality that people would even be interested in, um, huh? I didn't know that I could like, you know, have, you see the memes, you see it's not ballet. Well, guess what? I did 15 years of ballet, and then you hear it's not ballet, and you go, "Well, shit, maybe I can't do that." <laughs> and then you go find out that you break your foot about as many times wrestling is doing ballet, so it might as well be six of one, half dozen of the other, and you just pull the trigger and go for it anyway. <laughs> I mean, both have their risks, so... Okay. Yeah. But, uh, my first match as an actual wrestler uh, happened at IWA Mid-South, which is uh, sort of... I don't want to call it like a, like a bragging rights, but like it's a it's definitely something that I'm very uh proud of to have made mm -hmm. my debut in a company with so much history that so many like important and impactful people have gone through. Yeah, uh, I was about to say that's like hollow ground in like Midwest indie. Right. Like not even just Midwest indie, but like major indie. All right, if you find a DVD at a flea market, odds are so good that it's mid south and it's gonna have a gem of a match you haven't seen on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was my very first match, and I got called Honey Boo Boo because I was still blonde at the time, and that nothing has beat that yet. Nobody has called me anything better in the ring than Honey Boo Boo. Nothing has made me like struggle to keep a straight face harder than that. <laughs> I can I can imagine that, that would throw you off your game a little bit. Disrespect my idol. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord! So, no, I I had no idea that you debuted in IWA even South. Like that's that's just knowing. Wow! Like 
I don't know. Like that's a name that you don't really hear a lot of nowadays. Like we talked, like you talked about, like there's a lot of history behind it, and and it do, it does have it is like hollow ground in a lot of ways. But it's just I don't really hear much about them, like recently at least. But I would say it's a bit of a rebuilding period right now. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look at the most recent uh, TPI, you will see some dudes that you don't know yet that you need to know. Um, one of them mm-hmm. is a, a couple of them actually I train with. Um, one of them being Corey Roberts. Oh my gosh. He's so athletic, so skilled, so humble. And like, he's still sort of figuring out who he is. So right now he's just sort of like generic, good looking blonde guy, number four, but he's so talented. It blows my mind. So it's nah, a good place to look for like people you don't know yet that you should know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of been their calling card for a long time. I, I just, I always go back. Obviously, they have the names that are kind of like legendary now, but like you know, the CM Punks, the Chris Heroes, the Cole Cabanas, like the people that have gone through there in the early two thousands. Like, I think the place, mm-hmm. the people that really put that that promotion on the map in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, I, th- I think IWA Mid South like definitely has a reputation for for developing standout wrestlers uh, obviously you came out of there as well so yeah i would call it Repet- a rite of passage it's, it's somewhere <laughs> you gotta go if you want to be somebody like well you don't have to everybody has their own path everybody's journey is different i should know better than other people but it's a rite of passage <laughs> yes <laughs> so you went through the rite of passage um mm-hmm. and, and returned came- uh later for a title match against Shotzi Blackheart that somehow oh. turned into a six-woman tag, and it was absolutely insane. <laughs> well, that, I mean, honestly, getting in the ring with Shotzi is already kind of insane. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I can see that okay. just devolving into chaos. Absolutely. It was, it was total madness. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily recommend seeking the match out because there are good and bad sides to madness, but I love that it happened. <laughs> Oh Lord, I you now you know I'm not I'm now gonna have to f- try and find that match, like it's it's like a challenge now. <laughs> I've given you the tools; you can do your best. All right, I I appreciate that. I'll see what I come up with. So, so we wrap up IW or like you go through IWA Mid South, um, and then the first place that I found you was it was it Rise, um, and I don't know how what the the time period between. Um, IWA Mid South and and Rise was uh, what were you doing like in between in that in between period there? So I've actually uh, been going to Rise seminars uh, basically since I was fresh out the wrestling womb, uh, like from right around uh, my debut. I think Rise happened maybe. Oh, I can't remember what came first, chicken or egg, but it was right around the same time. I didn't make the show for the first one I went to, but it was absolutely nuts because it was an Aja Kong seminar and my whole brain was blown just being there. And then I said, that's it. I have to come back for the rest of forever. And now it's my home away from home. <laughs> that is actually pretty rad that you got to learn from Aja Kong, even if it was oh just God, for like a weekend or whatever. But like, that's, I mean, you talk about, you just keep running into these like, like legendary like places and people like, just you... oh, oh, oh. My, don't mind me, you're just gonna move faster. 
in the most Midwestern of ways, I keep running into absolutely extraordinary talent. That's part of why I love coming back to Rise is because, oh, my God, the people that go through there, the people that have become, like, I can call them my friends now just from, like, hanging out and learning from other amazing people. It's like, is this real life? (laughs) I mean, that is the beauty of the business in a lot of ways, though. Truly. Yeah. And the beauty um, of a developmental system in general, um, having yeah. a place where you're building up this talent with a whole lot of direction, a whole lot of faith in them, is like I get to see like the Shotsies and the Big Swoles and the Delilah Dooms and people like that and like the, the Willow Nightingales. I got to see what I personally perceived to be her breakout match. And then she exploded and then she broke her neck and then she came back and exploded again. And I'm like, oh my God, she's so great. Because of this <laughs> system that believes in its talent. <laughs> it's it, it is interesting like rise i know they have like they've had developing in like their like subtitle forever you know whether it be like develop developing um was it developing women wrestlers and now it's like developing the latest wrestling attractions i believe is, is what yeah. they've renamed it after pride and joy um it's it's very cute <clears throat> excuse me sorry um okay. it's <laughs> it's very curious to see um, a, a indie have such a heavy, heavy focus on development. Because uh, I, I guess you don't just don't see it at face value with a lot of with a lot of indies. But Rise has definitely like put their put that stamp on their promotion in a lot of ways. It's because like if you if you travel around, if you support your local wrestling, which I firmly believe everybody should, because it's how you find these people first. And then you get your T-shirts while they're still cheap, uh, but also still printed on Gildan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you'll find these uh, these we call feeder promotions that you know they've got a school behind them, and so they put their students on the card, um, and they let them sort of go out there and feel it out and fumble and you know catch themselves and get better. Um, but I would say Rise absolutely uh, sort of like commits to this development in a way that a lot of these theater programs like can't because they don't have like a school that they're trying to run. Uh, There's no like brick and mortar behind them necessarily. So they can be like, all right, here's my money that would go to rent. I'm going to pull in really fabulous talent like the Mercedeses and the Aja Kongs. And I'm going to have them work with my newer up and coming people, my developing talent so that when I put them out there, oh my God, they're amazing. And everyone's mind is blown by my system. And like, it's, it's smart and it works. And no, you have I to can't. be willing to like take that risk that they take in order to put on something really special like they do. No, I, I can't disagree with you on that. Like, I think that that is a perfect approach to, to the business, especially when developing like your own shows and to see where, how Rise has risen for like, no pun intended um to 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 the heights that they're that they're at now you know like i i i don't know like it's it took them i it took them a while to get on my radar just because like i wasn't paying attention as much you know like i i I pay attention to indies and i think a lot of fans do but then there's like there's such a swath of of companies now and you know the the advent of iPay per view has done a lot to increase not just promotions profiles but wrestlers profiles because like I said if I hadn't watched Pride and Joy I never would have seen Sophie King and I would never have been like oh 
there actually might be people in the industry that identify the way that you do. And it's awesome to see because you like, you don't see that at all. Like as much as we, as much as we say, um, complain about the lack of representation for the rest of the alphabet soup. Like I right. have to say, yeah, like non-binary, like the non-binary community, like they, like outside of things that like you and maybe like still life up in uh, Chikara, um, are the I'm only two. Still life, if you didn't, because I absolutely adore them with my whole heart. Yes. Oh my god, I still haven't watched the the last Chikara show, but I I'm looking forward to watching that just just for their match. <laughs> um, but but the fact that the the community the the, the visual community in in terms of non-binary wrestlers out there, like it's very small. So the fact that we're, you're able to be beamed out through the internet to anybody that, that might need to see that, you know, it's, it's, it's super awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, there's a, there's a ring announcer. He's a ring announcer for Chikara, Mark Adam Haggerty. He's uh, absolutely yeah. wonderful. I don't know if he knows how much I adore him. I hope he feels it. Um, <laughs> He made a tweet about uh, just his doing a like mass search through his Google Doc of uh, Google Drive of wrestlers, basically index cards that he has for announcing. Uh, and he said, I have X amount of male wrestlers, X amount of female wrestlers, X amount of guys named Steve, X amount of people from parts unknown, and one non-binary wrestler. Make of that what you will. And yeah. So, my whole goal now is to be non-binary wrestler number two on his Google Drive. <laughs> well, but you I'm know sure what? I would be absolutely thrilled if somebody beat me to it. I would be over the moon if someone beat me to it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that would just mean an expanded profile, you know. Exactly. Like, that would just mean like more people to identify with and more people to kind of have like that camaraderie with. More gender squishy pals, yeah. Exactly. No. <laughs> um, but staying on the subject of of, um, of the non-binary identity, um, getting like as you've gone now a year and a half in into your career, have there been any um, like issues that you faced or like or um, like speed bumps? Yeah, that's a good one. Speed bumps. Have there been any speed bumps that you've seen, but just based off of um, your how you identify? So it's um, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. I <clears throat> I wouldn't say I'm closeted in any sense of the word. I'm super open about my identity, but I also uh, am sort of smart about where I correct people um, because, you know, I've wrestled for a rise and it's phenomenal, and that's actually the first place that I – made a point of going to commentary and saying, hey, can you use my they, them pronouns? And they were like, oh, and I was like, yes, please. This is, it was the Pride and Joy show. And I was like, if there's any show to do it, this is the show. <clears throat> so pretty pleased. And they did, and it was wonderful. And I know a lot of people there are still learning, uh, but they make an effort for me, which is just absolutely tremendous in my eyeballs. But then I do stuff like uh, wrestle in the parking lot behind a sports bar in Nebraska. <laughs> And I yeah. just have to cut my losses and go, I'm not getting my pronouns here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, it's a situation that I that I understand, but also just like wish that it 
could be that uh, the other way, the way it doesn't rise at, even if it yeah. is a, a sports bar in Nebraska, you know? Right. Like nobody wants to make these concessions, especially on their identity. And it doesn't feel great to have to make them, but it's also a little bit, a little bit of self-defense uh, in that, like when I'm in these situations and I'm way far out, when I'm in a strip mall outside of Memphis, um, and I don't know oh, even my opponent. Uh, it's it's a bit of self-preservation going, I don't know who's going to get mad about who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know who's going to be an asshole about not understanding. Um, and so when I'm asked, I'm super open. I'm super flagrant about it even. Um, at basically any show that I'm at in the St. Louis area, I'm stomping around going, blah, blah, I'm gay. But you will not be <laughs> doing that. Uh, in these sort of outlier shows where it's just sort of like, all right, I'm just going to go here and wrestle to be somewhere else and wrestle. <laughs> There's a lot of like, like measuring and reading a room that happens. Yeah. I, I, I would imagine that that would be the case in a lot of ways. Also, um, I know you just had a new shirt come out, which I am eagerly awaiting mine, by the way, the, <laughs> the, was it gender is fake, but pro wrestling is real. Is that yes, the, it is a scoop of yes. a Ken Anderson quote, and I am very proud of it. I have the box. Now I have all of the shirts that are spoken for, labeled, and I just need to commit the arduous process of hauling them all to the post office and staring the terrified postal workers in the eyes and saying, yes, I am shipping 30 shirts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mentioned that because, one, the shirt's rad, but, two, your next shirt has to be just blah, blah, I'm gay. Just <laughs> blah blah, I'm gay. Exactly. Just be like a little caricature of me stomping on like black and white buildings. Um, <laughs> I, I love the, the direction like this is taking. Like a little shitty Godzilla. Yes, that's perfect. That I, I once again, I will throw my money at that. <laughs> I would, I would, I would bet good money that I could just. So I just did a, a lovely photo shoot collaboration with uh, Warhorse. Um, yes. And I would bet good money that I could trade uh, goods and services with him for another dope photo shoot if he draws that for me, preferably in crayon. There you go. Shout out to Warhorse, by the way. I saw that photo shoot. Rad stuff. He's like, Thank also, you. like, That's I think what I was doing before I was wrestling. Yeah, I was about to say, like, people should know that like, you're also a very talented photographer, uh, along with being talented in the ring. So, yeah. I do. Uh, I still do a lot of uh, promo work and portrait work for wrestlers, particularly local wrestlers, just because I'm scared to travel with my camera and break it. But um, I used to do, uh, while I was still in training, I did ringside photography. I did some for uh, a little bit for AAW for like one show, um, mostly for uh, Glory Pro and uh, Pro Wrestling Resurgence and... I think I did a PWCS show to all St. Louis. Uh, PWCS has since folded, but St. Louis Anarchy is definitely uh, somewhere to check out. They also have an all-women's show that happened uh, that was absolutely delightful on IWTDP.live to plug all the things. There we go. <laughs> Just all around. Yep. <laughs> um, so back to plug shows. <laughs> yes. Um, 
so like I said, most recently, I think you were seen um, back at Rise at Early to Rise Two, previous mm-hmm. uh, the day uh, earlier in the day ahead of the La Escalera. Yes, that I I was resisting, but I'm glad that you you threw that out there because now that you heart everywhere um, for that. <laughs> um, but also, you made your um, debut in a dark match at Shimmer that same weekend. But uh, that was, if I'm not mistaken, like one of your first weekends back after a, a pretty severe injury, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was not an injury. It was actually a buck wild, uh, I would call it illness. Oh, um, okay. I got hospitalized for uh, several days, actually, for uh, an internal abscess. And then... Uh, I was on weeks of antibiotics and then further weeks of actual recovery because my body just didn't uh, want to do anything because all the batteries were going into uh, healing my freaking organs. <laughs> I mean, I I don't mean to laugh, but like this no, the way when that, I put it that way, it's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the way you phrase it. It makes me give me a chuckle, but at the same time, like super concerned. I'm glad that you're okay. <laughs> um. So, but it, I guess coming off of that injury and, and jumping back into into like your kind of home away from home with Rise, I'm sure that was exciting. But and then just to add the the Shimmer match onto that, like you said, like that was a a, a company that you um, kind of fell in love with from very early on in your uh, wrestling fandom. I'm pleased to report I only cried six times that day. Oh, uh, okay, so. only six. <laughs> Only six. I felt like a like a big boy. I was very proud of myself. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> what? But what did what did it mean for you to to get that shimmer match though? Like what? How? What was? What did that? Did, was that like um like validating in a lot of ways, or like was there other emotions running through your mind? Um. So we're gonna kick it back again. Um. Mm-hmm. Because I, I've definitely had some ups and downs. Um, not too long after I debuted, uh, a bunch of other circumstances in my life were absolutely miserable. Uh, I was spiraling, and I wound up hospitalizing myself. Um, and so when I came out, my trainer sat me down. He said, we need to give you long-term goals so that you can't give up on yourself like that again. And so uh, for over a year now, my phone background has been the uh, Shimmer title belt. Uh, as just sort of a reminder of why I want to keep pushing every single day. And so getting to make my debut, even in just a dark match, uh, oh my God, it meant the whole entire world to me. It was just so much validation in that moment. Uh, I mean, that's that's a hell of a journey. You know, I, I think like... <laughs> Sorry obviously... for the sudden dark turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, like, I think... You know, mental health struggles are all too common in the in the queer community, um, and and not to mention all of the different trappings that the wrestling industry can uh, provide. You know, so like having both of those things kind of collide at one point and being able to overcome that, like what, and set a goal for yourself and and get to to achieve it in that way. Like I can only imagine the sense of pride that 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 gave you. Oh yeah, that was. It was the, it was the reason behind all six tear fests that happened that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, hopefully, all tears of joy. Oh yeah, <laughs> hands down, 
anytime anyone they're like so how did it go and i was like it was so good <laughs> it was a four minute match it was standard hey. it was so good. <laughs> hey it's four minutes that you didn't have before in a company that you've always wanted to work for so like i totally get it like that's just i me personally i couldn't be happier for you i saw that new i saw you like tweet that that uh that news out and I was just like, oh, this is a huge thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm a big believer in making the most of any time that you're given wrestling. So would I I asked you about like any speed bumps you might have hit, like based off of your identity um in the industry, but I wanted to turn that around to the other side. Uh have there been any like really positive moments that you've seen like whether it be from like audiences or other wrestlers or promoters or anybody like like kind of uh, like validating your identity or making you feel like like other people are, are seeing you for who you are. Oh, hugely. And it's a hundred percent all tied to rise, which is why I will, uh, I stand them hard and I will <laughs> promote them any chance I get. <laughs> I'll retweet stuff for shows I'm not on just because I love what they're doing so much. And they've introduced me to just, they've made me visible to a group of people that needed somebody like me and didn't know how to find me. And mm. it feels like really egotistical to say something like that. But like, I started wrestling to be uh, like the person that I needed. And so the fact that I can contribute and be that person that I needed for other people who subsequently need that person. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So <laughs> I'm normally a bit more, uh, vicious um in most of the midwest and the south in most of the places that i go uh just sort of as the virtue of being bigger than uh, a lot of the ladies i get put against and then i went to rise i was in their big rise of the contender uh non-denominational rumble we'll call it (laughs) (laughs) i had a glorified bushwhackers moment i ran in bing, 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 hit everyone in the ring. And I was like, yeah, I'm Batista. And then I immediately got thrown out. <laughs> I mean, every, every rumble has to have the bushwhacker spot. So, I mean, that's... And then the whole Rise crowd just went, that one. And I was like, are you sure? And they're like, yep, that one. And so I got to come back for pride and joy because there was just actually a response for me and my maybe 45 seconds. <laughs> And they're just like, yep, Sophie, we like them. They're shaped like a friend. And so <laughs> it was my second time ever coming out to like, just like cheers that like blew me back for a second. Uh, you can kind of see I have extra crazy eyeballs in some of those pictures because I can't believe the reaction that's happening. <laughs> and I, uh, I've had a few uh, fans now um, that have come up and told me that they're so excited to see somebody like them, somebody who like I I've done drag before and like every now I might have to post one of those pictures up again soon um, of me cross-dressing and like I get to be this gender squishy human that just runs around and hits people and everyone says yeah this is the shit i want to see and like having other people say that that's what they want to see and that what i want to be is filling a niche in their heart dude that's so fucking cool man (laughs) 
would you would you say that's like um like one of your ultimate goals as you keep going in your career is to have more of those moments more of those people reaching out to you oh yeah like i i've got like a firm belief that like public figures shouldn't automatically be held up to be heroes or role models however comma uh as somebody who's a lot older than a lot of my peers i shouldn't say a lot older but i am older <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You're younger than me, so you're you're good. <laughs> I, I feel this sense of like I want to be that for them. I want to be that absent big sibling that they needed encouragement from, and like I'm I don't have the capacity to be emotionally there for every single person. But if I can represent their ability to go do something, then that's what I want to be for as many people as possible. I want that self recognition to be I want to be a lens for that. I mean, that's a commendable goal to have, especially in the wrestling industry, as it continues to evolve and continues to accept the queer community. Um it's I think it's only gonna I mean, get better from here. Bitches. It's not like that noble, but Hey, it, it's all right. Like like we all have there there are goals of differing levels and like, <laughs> It can always be both. I am an advocate for it can be both. I exactly. am both all the time. <laughs> yes. Totally. Um, well, where on the internet can people find you being an advocate for both? So I am active on my Instagram and Twitter at Sophie King PW. I have unified them for branding because I'm told that's important. Um, <laughs> I also have uh, a couple of matches on IWTV.live if you want to actually see me go. Uh, St. Louis Anarchy's Ladies' Night show is a great way to see me versus Valentina Loca. Um, that's one of my favorite matches I've ever had, honestly. Uh, and there's more on YouTube if you search Sophie King, but I'm told there's also a child who makes jewelry, and her name is also Sophie King. So that's a little regrettable on my part because <laughs> me making up a name uh not searching youtube first but uh those are the best places to find me in my work <laughs> awesome well i i am so so ecstatic that you that you agreed to come on the show and i and i honestly can't wait to have you on again down the line and i can't wait to see um wherever you pop up wrestling wise whether it be back at shimmer or back at rise again or anywhere else that that you might show up i can't wait to see you in the ring again I'll definitely say keep your eyeballs peeled on Chicago. It's uh, my second home right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it's always fun to sit down with another giggle machine <laughs> when when talking about experiences in pro wrestling. And and Sophie's journey from being the the homeless a uh, person back in their early 20s to where they are now is it's inspiring and and I think that it's a story that you know obviously a, a large swath of wrestling fans can take inspiration from it but especially for um the non-binary community the 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 community that doesn't identify on the gender binary at all which you know like their shirt says gender is fake pro wrestling is real um, gender is a construct and Sophie King is not letting any of that bias against that hold them back and that is to be commended 
Um, but what I can commend all of you for is for joining me here once again at LGBT in the Ring, part of the Outsports Podcast Network. Uh, we we have just completed our, our first month or so, and I'm telling you, I'm just enjoying this with all of my heart, and I've enjoyed every conversation that I've had on the show so far, um, and I'm looking forward to many, many more um, every Thursday. You can download this show and any of your podcast providers. Just search for Outsports, um, and you'll find it there. Um, but of course, if you're listening to this, you've already found it, so two thumbs up for you. But we can't end the show without showing some love to some people that have contributed to this show so, so much. First off, Daniel Quasar for our Progress Pride Flag design that is used in our logo. The Progress Pride Flag design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. Find out more at quasar.digital. And then, of course... Sarah and the Safe Word for that for our awesome theme song, Formula 666. That's from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band. And you can also check out their music on Spotify uh, or on Bandcamp at Sarah and the Safe Word.bandcamp.com. Until next week, I am Brian Bell. Uh, You can follow me. I almost got out of here without throwing my own plugs in there. I'm absent minded out of happiness. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And then, of course, you can read all of uh, my awesome stuff at Outsports.com. Um, and then if you're into uh, video games, I do also uh, co-host a gaming news podcast with a couple of awesome Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. That is called the Mr. Video Games Super Show. That goes live every Monday, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Um, but now that all of the plugs and, and awesome shout-outs are out of the way, um, my thanks once again to Sophie, um, at SophieKingPW on both Twitter and Instagram. Thumbs up there for branding. Um, (laughs) um, But until then, uh, we will see you next Thursday. Right back here again. Thanks for listening to LGBT in the Ring. Bye. Six, six, six.